are you doing? I'm marvellous, thanks, Ed. I've just about recovered marvellous. from the knot of frustration that was watching Man United against Stoke and just about warmed up after that too. Yeah. Strange game, wasn't it? Uh, because United created uh, like 25 chances or something crazy like that. A lot of chances. Yep. Although not too many of them actually very good chances. Uh, and I suppose, you know, there, there was a... A level of intensity and determination in the second half, which has now become a hallmark of Mourinho's team. I think it's fair to say, not surprised anymore, is it? Getting a, a late goal. But the first half, man, was that pretty rubbish. Yeah, it was real, real bad. I mean, um, in terms of the quality of chances, whatever the faults of XG are or are not, it's a decent kind of, uh, at the very least, it's a decent a uh, snapshot of the quality of the chances. And uh, Stokes was 0.2 and United's was 2, um, which I think sounds about right. A 2-0 win to United probably would have felt pretty fair on the balance of play in that game. Uh, but yeah, the first half was a complete... I mean, they sort of grew into it a bit in about the last 10 minutes of the first half, I think, as they kind of warmed up and maybe thought about the uh, rollicking that they were going to get at half-time. Yeah, I guess so. It was, it was just, it was slow and it, it wasn't very, um, there wasn't much from United in the attacking sense. I mean, it was good to the final third, wasn't it? Uh, and then mm-hmm. there, there are a few longer-range shots, quite a lot of block shots. It's not as if United were carving Stoke open all the time. Although, perhaps Wayne Matter should have scored. Uh, in the right end. Was that in the first half? Uh, no, it was, was it? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was from like a yard out or whatever. Oh, that was just the worst. And a break with tradition and do an early rank cast question. Friend of the show, uh, Simon Stevens asking, uh, do you get as upset as I do, like properly slightly teary upset when one matter has a bad game? I, I don't quite, but I can definitely relate. There is something about one matter missing that chance. That hurt particularly intensely. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, all the rating algorithms out there, I'm sure, will rate him down, won't they? Because not only did he miss fluff that great chance and not really create much, which is unusual for him, but scored an own goal. Is that the first own goal he's ever scored in his career? Yeah. It was indeed. According to joe.co.uk, Juan Mata is still achieving new things at the age of almost 29 as he uh, scored the first down goal of his career. Yeah, I, I think actually it going in was a bit unlucky. Him not properly tracking his runner, that's pretty criminal. And, and I have to say, it's, it's the kind of thing he's corrected in his game. And especially under Van Gaal, he became a much better defender, much better sort of team player, I suppose. But it's also the kind of thing that uh, Jose Mourinho will not look upon kindly at all. I mean, he'll have definitely noticed. This is matter not following his runner. As a result, he's slightly out of position. As a result, it's a goal. I'd be really surprised if we see matter much uh, for the next couple of weeks because <laughs> Jose has this little vindictive streak. Punishment beatings. The punishment beatings will begin. You and you and Boris, you, lo- you love a soundbite, don't you? <laughs> uh, it's very, very unfortunate that he missed that chance so soon after it. Oh, I, I thought mean, you were going to talk about Boris Johnson. That's unfortunate. <laughs> well, obviously, too. it's very, very unfortunate that an absolute buffoon was put in charge of a major metropolitan city and then made foreign secretary. But that's like that goes without saying, doesn't it? Um, was the chance... So I've watched it... I think I saw one replay of it. I couldn't bring myself to watch much of the day. In real time from, like, the Stoke press box, which is way up high at the in their big stand... Um, it looked like an absolute sitter. Was there any kind of bobble? Did it come at him quick? Nah. No, and the defender hasn't even touched it. He might have been anticipating the defender touching it. 
Uh, so it's uh, Martin Zindi, isn't it, who's trying to get to the ball as well. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, as far as I could tell, no real bobble, no no nick off the defender or anything like that, just uh, lack of composure. I mean, you know, Matt's touch is, is beautiful and soft and sure, isn't it? Yeah. Just let him down. Do you think that it might be that he was just completely shocked that Ibrahimovic had passed? Uh, maybe, yeah. Uh, actually, I mean, you know... Um, Ibrahimovic does pass, uh, which is, you know, accounts for his high assist record, doesn't it? Uh, yeah. Yes, very much so. He was hot garbage in this football game. Zlatan Ibrahimovic has been on an incredible run of form, playing brilliantly, producing at a rate of knots. Hot garbage in this game. <laughs> I thought, I really thought that Juan Mata's terrible performance uh, got Ibra off a yeah. lot of criticism lightly. Well, the, the front three were all pretty poor, weren't they? I mean, um, not only just missing good chances, but just not that effective. So Mata, uh, a stinker. Ibrahimovic, a real stinker. Uh, you're right, saved by Mata's stinker. And Mkhitaryan, not good either. And he's gone off the boil a little bit. Midfield was OK. I thought Fellaini, for, for all the fact that he slows the game down a lot, um, did OK. He wasn't too bad. Herrera was energetic. I thought he was probably the best of our midfielders. Pogba, all right. Didn't have a stinker, which was good. Uh, coming yeah. after Liverpool, I was hoping you'd have a big one. Uh, and the back four, OK. But uh, it's, it's the, front, the front three that really let United down. Well, I thought, actually, Mkhitaryan did provide the closest things to moments of brilliance, especially in the first half. There's one incredible run where he picks up the ball and kind of like beats loads of the Stoke plays. He picks it up wide and ends up with it central and slips an absolutely beautiful through ball to Zlatan, who just beyond all understanding why that one he passed, because it looked like a very good angle right. for a shot. Um, and he just sort of half passed half shot and was easily cleared. But that was brilliant from Mkhitaryan. In the second half, I thought there was a... I thought there's a couple of interesting points. One, I thought was really notable that he brought on Rashford instead of Rooney, which which given everything, given the narrative, all the kind of build-up around Rooney, I thought that was that really tells you where Rooney is at the, in the pecking order, that he's not the first sub on to rescue the team. He tried that against Liverpool. It didn't work in the slightest. Well, apart from the goal, obviously. But, you know, in terms of the balance of play, it didn't work. So he turned to Rashford instead and took Fellaini off, which was the sensible thing. And I thought that period up until the next substitution was actually United's best spell in the game. Um, Rashford, uh, 4-4-2, basically. Um, yeah, and, and really went bold as well. So sort of a 20 minutes uh, of the second half when United were were pretty good. Um, and, and look, it was... Um, it was important, I think, to make those changes. There were there were positive changes. We've been a little bit critical of Mourinho in the past this season for being a bit conservative, a bit like for like in his changes. Uh, he's been quite bold on a number of occasions recently. I think, yeah, it's uh, it's the United way or something like that. Yeah, uh, and uh, sure, you know, Rashford needed minutes, and uh, he was the guy who, you know, with the pace. Was most likely to trouble Shawcross and Shawcross, who was playing basketball for half the game. Two, two, two <laughs> clear handballs against him, and uh, Martin Zindi. Neither of them are quick. Um, good to, good to. I mean, in fact, the whole of Stokes' back four is a bit ponderous. I mean, Glenn Johnson, not the player he was, and he wasn't that great a player to start with. So um, it's uh, and he wears the number eight at yeah, right back. Yeah, which it's wrong. 
It's wrong. Yeah, Morgan Schneiderlin's wearing the number two at Everton. Yeah, as don't well. don't like they, this. Um, you know, they should swap. They, I'm, you know what? I'm call me old fashioned, but I quite like one to eleven. <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, In the right order. But I, I don't mind a thirty nine for Rashford. You know, I don't mind a young player with an outrageous number that that kind of becomes a so. That's fine. Uh, or even a Roy King sixteen. You know, there's the odd there's the odd exception, but it's got to be iconic. Uh, Rashford was absolutely brilliant for that for that spell. Um, every time he ran at him, he looked like he was going to create something. He looked like he was feeling his oats, um, and I really thought the goal was going to come through him. But it all kind of died when uh, when Rooney and Lingard came on uh, one after the other in pretty quick succession, and and all the little momentum and attacking fluency that we'd built up basically evaporated. Um, yeah, I mean, there were parts of that second half that were proper turgid, weren't they? It was, yeah. it was starting to get hard to watch. And and it didn't really look like the goal was coming. It's not like, I mean, you know, there's a level of determination there, but weren't battering Stoke's door down. Uh, and, you know, luckily, fortunately, get the free kick right right at the end and Rooney comes up with an absolute beauty for his 250th. What a wonderful moment that was. You sure he wasn't trying to cross? Uh, he was I'm definitely kidding. shooting, he wasn't. wasn't he? That's <laughs> no, he absolutely smacked it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no. Great goal and, uh, you know, a, f- a fitting style of goal, I think, for his 250th. I know the 249th was a bit of a shank, yeah. a shin. Yeah. He's, he's, good at, he's good at spectacular shins as well, of course. But, uh, no, this, this was fitting, I think, for... Um, uh, for breaking Bobby Charlton's record. And we talked a ton about the record last week on the show, but we have to mention it again. Um, Mourinho, very, very odd vibe when he was asked about it. In the, in the... <laughs> Just a little bit, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. So I was sat directly opposite him in the second row of the press conference, watching him when he responded, and he was... I guess he must have known that would be the first question. Maybe it was just that he was super annoyed because United hadn't won and and everything that that meant for the season and all that stuff. Like, he couldn't enjoy it, even though it was an equaliser. But a little part of me also wonders if it's just that the story was about someone else. And Mourinho, that's not his (laughs) favourite subject, is it? Other people. Maybe. I mean, he he was clearly pretty annoyed in in all of the uh, post-match interviews, wasn't he? You know, he said he couldn't be particularly happy about the late goal because United hadn't played well um, and had dropped points. You know, and that's right. Look, this was a game United had to win. It's been a disastrous weekend for United. Chelsea won, Arsenal won, City won. City uh, City didn't win. City drew. City drew, sorry. City drew. Um, But, you know, haven't gained any ground on anybody and, in fact, lost ground to some. Well, I... I I mean, I don't know if I could say it was a disastrous weekend. It was much more uh, a huge missed opportunity because Liverpool lost, which is massive, and Spurs and Chelsea drew, which is perfect. So, I mean, Spurs and City drew, which is perfect. So only two of the teams above them won. Um, so the the like it's missed opportunity territory rather than disaster territory. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, but I mean, how many of those can we have? No, not many more. Like we, it's this is huge for the direction of the league i mean yeah so i was looking at all the all the various prediction models there's several out there there's the infrastrada one or i think they're called grace note now um 538 have been started doing a model as well um all of them so they have give us a 35 percent chance of making the champions league because they're not happy. <laughs> yeah they did last week it's less now okay yeah yeah um yeah some people not understanding how probabilities work, I think. <laughs> An awful lot of people out there. Everyone. It's a, it's a chance. 100% yeah, of like, people don't understand how probability works. Yeah. So to imagine, just just uh, just imagine you go into a betting office 
um, and you you on a bet on a horse, and they say it's uh, it's ten to three on the nose. You know, ten to three to win. Uh, they're saying your probability of winning is three times out of ten. Well, you kind of get that, right? What 538 said before the general election was that in the States was that Donald Trump had a three and a half out of 10 chance of winning the election. So it does happen sometimes. I think that was simple enough, wasn't it? And patronising enough. (laughs) To be fair to them also, that was one of the more um, Trump-friendly models. I don't mean they were in favour of it. I just mean that was one of the models that suggested a higher likelihood than many of the rather sweeping models. In fact, Nate Silver was quite conservative all the way through that campaign. Anyway. He, he was. Yeah, he was. Let's yeah. not talk about this terrible <laughs> subject again. <laughs> yeah, well, as, as Nate Silver said, they corrected for the fact that, um, you know, uh, kind of right-wing Republicans don't admit they are in polling um, and other stuff. Um, anyway, anyway, back back to the model that basically shows United are likely to finish sixth on the balance of probabilities and that fourth place could be a much higher points total than we've been used to. So 70, 71, 72, typically OK to get fourth place because of the nature of the Premier League this season where six are out in front and everyone else is way behind. Um, it could be anything like 76 points to get into the the Champions League this time round, which means United are going to have to have an absolutely barnstorming last, what, 15, 16 games of the season. It's interesting you say that Mourinho said he wasn't happy because of the way United played. When I asked him if if there was anything he wasn't happy about apart from the finishing, which is all he talked about at that point, he said, no, we defended, we kept them far away from our goal all the way through. We created plenty of chances. Our only problem was our finishing. Um, so I thought that was kind of interesting because it didn't look to me like this was like the previous draw with Stoke. I would totally be with him a hundred percent. That was a, an almost perfect game of football barring some disastrous last, last second execution. But this one didn't seem like that to me. Um, I mean, I, did we hit the post? He was talking about us hitting the post. Um, I, I can't remember. We probably did. Yeah, Lingard. Oh, yeah. Lingard hit the bar, but it no. wasn't going in at any point, was it? It clipped yeah. the top of the That's, bar. In fact, and we talked about that, that with the Pogba goal, that the, the Pogba free kick where he hit the inside of the post as compared to this kind. This is exactly the kind of thing that I was talking about when I said there, there are some which never look like going in. This was one of those. Right. Uh, right, yeah. So I don't, I don't think that's United being unlucky. I, I just don't think no, it was a great performance. And, um, uh, you know, and I, I said that on Twitter and I got a whole people, bunch of people going, what game are you watching? And various other stuff that uh, wasn't quite <laughs> as polite. Uh, but, but look, the, the game is played over the whole pitch. And for two thirds of the pitch, United were very good. In the last third, not good at all. And, you know, don't don't want to harp on about the obvious here, but you've got to it's, score goals to win games. It's quite an important third of the pitch, isn't it? Uh-huh. Um, yeah, so it was it was really... Fr- I couldn't tell, I genuinely, like, I couldn't tell how much I was really frustrated and annoyed because it was really cold. Like, I had five layers on. I was so... I, I've rarely in my life been that cold. Um, no wonder... I've never been to the... Uh, the UKIP 365 stadium, um, but uh, that was my first trip to to that ground and I can see why it has that reputation. The cult reputation, not the UKIP reputation, that's a whole different thing. Yes, and welcome to Politics Cast. <laughs> um, yeah, anyway, uh, well, I, I talked to my dad after the game, I was like, oh, I went to Stoke, and he was like, ah, oh, Stoke, that's why they're going to have a by-election, worried about that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's my football conversations with my dad, they very quickly veer off football. Um 
Anyway, so uh, anything else of note after that game? Mark Hughes was uh, really gracious about Man United. Um, he was really surprising because he's, uh, you know, he doesn't half give a great impression of being very bitter, and it doesn't make any sense, does he? He's he's turned in from a like this mild mannered guy off the pitch and absolute brute on it to uh, to being this brute off the pitch. He's obviously got to get his frustration out somewhere, and it's tended to be directed at United over the years. But uh, he was very gracious about it, wasn't he? There was a good moment uh, where the someone in the crowd threw the ball back to where he was and he tried to control it and it came off his foot and like went into the touchline and the ref came over to have a very stern word with him like he kicked the ball away and he like pointed to the outside of his shoe as if to say look I'm just wearing ordinary shoes I couldn't control it I've lost my first touch okay he'd have killed that dead in his pump but yeah I I asked him um, about maybe that's Wayne Rooney's excuse (laughs) maybe so Um, I asked him about uh, where we thought United were at and he, he said he thought they're a really good side with really good players and he was absolutely delighted that they'd taken two points off him this season and he was very, very gracious and complimentary about Wayne Rooney. He made a little joke when, you know, he said uh, they've had some great strikers over the years, which is quite funny. Um, and, uh, he, yeah, but he was just very full of full of praise for Rooney, which... Um, which Mourinho wasn't. He kind of said, like, I think they should talk about this for 24 hours and then no more. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's like talking about China. Did he? I missed that. I missed well, that. Well, not, not in a press conference, in one of the other interviews. he. Uh, what did he say? Well, he said that uh, he can't begrudge any players who want to go to China. Uh, it's about their career um, and their <laughs> their life. And if Rooney wants to do that, he can, basically. <laughs> Ow. Also, here is this ticket, Ow. and I've packed him a bag, and this is a learn Mandarin phrase book, and yeah, and we'll we'll put your statue on the Holy Trinity, <laughs> yeah. and uh, bonjour Antoine, uh, entrez, comment ça va? Ici c'est le shirt numéro seven. <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. Um, anyway, look, g- quick word about Rooney because uh, you know I've had a couple of digs at him. Um, 44 years that record has stood for. And I think we probably have to think about this, you know, record in context, don't we? Um, for, for, for all the fact that Rooney's a kind of punch-drunk boxer clambering on the ropes uh, in terms of getting over the record, because the last 20 goals have been painful, haven't they? But for all of that, 250 goals at a club like United is absolutely top stuff. You know, 44 years in the making. It might be another 40 till someone breaks yeah, that record. Or even longer. Or even longer, yeah. So you have to put it in that context. It's an amazing achievement, incredible achievement. I was looking up some of the, the player statistics from around other sort of clubs around England. Um, it's 212 at, at uh, Chelsea, 211 at Chelsea with Frank Lampard, 228 at Arsenal with Thierry Henry, 360 at Liverpool with Ian Rush, but he was a proper striker rush, wasn't he? You know, and, and Rooney's hardly yeah. hardly played. I mean, you know, he's probably played less than half of his games at number nine for United. Um, uh, who have I missed out? Ian Rush played half of his game in the six-yard box. Yeah, right? City's like, uh, who, Eric, uh, whatever his name, I've forgotten his name now, 150 from the 1920s, right? So in an English context... If you take Messi and Ronaldo out of this for a second, in English context, Rooney's right up there with the greatest goal scorers, you know, ever in the history of the game uh, amongst top clubs at United. Alan Shearer's like on two ninety odd, just in the Premier League, another freak of nature. Alan Shearer and a proper number nine who scored a bad goal. So you know, just context of United, you know, the greatest goal scorer in in the club's history. 
um, a record that might never be broken or may take decades to break. One of the greatest goal scorers in the Premier League or English football's history, and obviously the top goal scorer for his for his country. Yeah, and I, I said this to I spoke to Adam on Full Time Devils after the game, and I I said a similar thing. But one of the qualities I most admire is persistence, and Rooney might not have lived up to one aspect of his potential. But the one thing that he has had in absolute spades is persistence. He's, he's, I don't think I've ever seen him give up in the context of a match. And he definitely has never given up despite of everything going on uh, around him in terms of his career. And, you know, the achievements of longevity almost sometimes get slightly written off as not being as impressive or as flashy as achievements of, like, incredible technical brilliance or whatever. But but longevity requires some really important human characteristics, and, and he's had that in absolutely in spadefuls. So, you know, mm. that's, it's, it's an incredible, incredible, mind-bogglingly huge achievement. It's the kind of achievement that feels normal when you live through it, because you've seen it happen slowly over time, but absolutely is not normal. Like you said, 44, Bobby Charlton, a player neither of us have seen play, and we're both old men. He He's the record that got replaced. None of the other players we've seen come and go from the club have done this since then, and that's a lot of players. Of course, uh, Rooney's got uh, four goals, which, you know, you might want to question. <laughs> uh, is it, come on now. <laughs> one in the community shield, that's a friendly. I don't care. I mean, you know, you gotta gotta chalk that one off. And three in the Club World Cup, which is, you know, basically against like some team from Antarctica or something. So Come on. D- world champions twice. <laughs> world champions twice. Once more than England, world champions twice. So so by They by, say he can't do it on the international. By my stage. reckoning, he's uh, he's gotta score another four to be uh, the proper record horror holder. Which he he probably will do this season. You're not gonna add the inter into whatever, into Anglo Italian Cup goals on, on Charlton's record as well. Well I, I think if you're counting the community shield you've got it haven't you <laughs> i think he's done it he's broken a record and uh we can we can he can get that off his back and and uh you know enjoy the rest of his time at united whether that's half a season or a season and a half uh or a couple of weeks <laughs> january isn't out yet <laughs> <laughs> imagine that is definitely not gonna happen is it uh no it's not and i am jesting about the goals so uh well done wayne i, I know you've been uh Waiting in anticipation of praise from the Rancast. <laughs> he definitely doesn't listen to this show. He tried and gave up on the, you know, 400th time we were having to go at him for no reason. So that was the Stoke game. Before we get to the um, uh, bumper-packed Twitter question section, um, I had the pleasure of speaking to uh, football writer and poet Musa Okwanga about Manchester United's fortunes this season. I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by Musa Okwanga, the poet and author. And um, uh, we had a brilliant conversation, half an hour of amazing stuff where you accused me of being a climate change denier and all sorts. Um, Oh, that still still rankles, doesn't it? Just want to be clear, that's not quite what happened. Well, uh, well, it kind so, of it kind of is, and it is kind of it is kind of what happened. And you, you're obviously still a bit sore about it, but you know that's not. <laughs> don't worry, like that's what the podcast is for. Look, it hurt. Yeah, yeah, it hurt. That's all I can say. Um, um, 
<laughs> Unfortunately, we lost that. I can't believe. Oh, technology. Oh, what happened there? <laughs> I'm estimating that I deleted it because you called me a climate denier, but that's not what happened. Uh, it was a brilliant conversation. It got lost in the mists of time. So um, we've left it a couple of weeks to uh, to get some new things happening in the world of football. So we didn't just have the same conversation again. But um, I, I guess I'd like to start with... Um, what you've made of Mourinho so far. And actually, after the Liverpool game, we're recording this after Liverpool before Stoke. Um, so that sort of sets it into context. And it, in a way, it's, a, it's an even more interesting context, I think, than where we were a few weeks ago. It's amazing what has changed and how quickly. Like, I have to say this, it's amazing. I mean, if you'd asked me, leading into December, well, leading into you know early December, where do things are going? I actually would have been. I'm not sure this is going to work, and I would have said that. I think I even said that before. I think I've said that like on the record, and I've got no problem with that and being held to those words because I just didn't see it working. I mean, what was happening? I mean, every it seemed that Mourinho has really found a formula that works, and it seems, having said that, at the same time that he did it, he also exhausted all possibilities that people were telling him would work before. This is a strange thing. So don't get me wrong. He has absolutely got everyone firing. You know, Martial's looking terrific now. I think he should be slightly closer to goal, but I mean, that's more the floor in the fullback not being pushing high enough to overlap. But fundamentally, Mourinho, is he's got United playing really exciting football. Really exciting football. But let's not forget, if United had taken the lead against Liverpool, it could have been two or three. It really could have. At that point, if Pogba had scored that chance, it would have settled his nerves, which were... We'll get onto that, I'm sure, in a bit, which are all over the place. Uh, Mkhitaryan had a good effort that maybe should have done better with. Um, and United could have won that, and that would have been the signature win. So actually, Mourinho is doing, at the moment, he's doing pretty much everything right. You know, there's one or two things he can improve, but at the moment, it's looking terrific, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So the thing that we, well, we didn't really have a, a disagreement about, but I was sort of playing devil's advocate in a way, was over the handling of Henrik Mkhitaryan. And I think your position was very much that, Mourinho claiming any credit for Mkhitaryan's sort of emergence was uh, mm. was was pretty foolhardy given how good he was in Germany last year. Is mm. that still your take on it? A few a few weeks down the line, I think. To be honest, I think it is. Yeah, it is. Only because um, look at the difference Carrick has made. So in a character, and actually Carrick had a fairly poor game against Liverpool, but you know one of his one of his you know he, he I think one terrible pass into touch, and I think he struggled against the press, which is you know that's Liverpool that's what Liverpool do, but he still should have done better than that. Um, but you know the introduction of Carrick into the team, the late introduction of Mkhitaryan, maybe United could have picked up some points earlier in the season. Uh, I think that you know with those players in the team, and I think that actually Mourinho's treatment of, of Mkhitaryan, I think it was extreme. It's not that it was, oh, okay, let's ease him in, whatever, but he would throw Mkhitaryan, it would almost under the bus, so that the example I always use is the Feyenoord game, when I think United were 2-0 down, and were not cohesive in any attacking sense at all. He then threw Mkhitaryan at the mix with 20 minutes to go, and after the game said, that's the kind of match where big players make impacts. So, so I thought, well, when I saw that, I was like, okay, look, this is something else. This is not about you trying to ease him in or help him adapt, that's about some other vindictive Mourinho just being unusual or odd. Um, and I have to just sort of stick by that because I think that's what's that happened. And at the same time, you had Mourinho playing Fellaini at the back of a midfield. So when Fellaini plays at the back of midfield, the problem is you lose the fluency, you lose the ball to feet at high speed. And he's fixed that problem. He's now, losing, he's now using Fellaini as a kind of impact player, which is actually his best role, I think. 
Um, so Mourinho's ironed out the kinks. But, you know, let's not, let's not let them completely off the hook. I think there was an element of trial and error in this season, which everyone's entitled to, of course. Conte had to do that. Conte reshaped the 3-4-3. But I think Mourinho's period of adjustment lasted about a month longer than it should have. If that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think that's a reasonable point. Um, what did you What did you put the turnaround down to on the pitch? Like, was was it just the introduction of Carrick? Is it is it, is there more to it than that? I think introduction of Carrick was one thing, but also Slatan just found his shooting boots. Um, so I write for um, ESPN, as you uh, as you know, and a piece that I wrote um, after Zlatan had had a three or four games of really poor finishing was, look, just stick with him. He's getting a position. He's creating chances. He is doing a bit of playmaking. He's not just being, you know, sort of a, a lone warrior up there by himself. Let the chances fall. And there was um, a couple of games um, when, you know, he missed some absolute shockers. I think, I don't know if it was a Stoke game Stoke, early on against Stoke. Stoke and Burnley, like they were the two. And Pogba, yeah, and Pogba, I mean, Burnley, we can discount them. The keeper the play out of his mind, but Zlatan does miss a couple of sitters. But the Stoke game in particular, if United had scored early, then they would have run riot. But the point is, it's the old cliche, he was getting in position. And I, and I, I think I wrote this at the moment is finishing clicks, which it will, because he's too good and too proud for it not to, then United will be a different team. And that that's happened. So what have you made of him on this run? Ibrahimovic. Yeah. Um, I think he's been... I think, look, he, he's been terrific, really. If you consider, you know, this is a free a free transfer. He's 35 years old. I mean, discarded into that. He's been a dominant figure, one of the leading goal scorers in the Premier League. His presence... Um, is working really well. It's now allowing people to run off him. Now him and Pogba, that great understanding has really come to fruition. That terrific goal he scored, um, the second goal in one of the clinching games, I can't remember the, um, the run it was in now, but when Pogba dispossesses um, midfielders and runs through and just plays Zatan in, and the way they were just in sync, which is terrific to see. So Zlatan understands the forward line, and the great thing about it now is they don't seem to have that much ego about being rotated, which is really nice. Like, Mourinho has solved the Rooney problem, it seems. Rooney's accepted it. You know, I think something's happened there. Something has happened to make that dynamic work out, I think. Um, I think it's one of his most impressive achievements so far. And it's early days yet. Because, you mm, know, maybe yeah, he's yeah. told Rooney he's going to be vital in the second half of the season or something like that. You know, I, I suspect that might not be the case. But, um, but it is kind of amazing how effortlessly handled that Rooney situation I mean it's incredible I mean we talk again I have you know a partial a partial I've got a reserve criticism of Mourinho in the sense that I think that the the theory of allowing him to play himself out of the team lasted a bit too long again I think it was a couple of weeks longer than it should have been um, and I think it's given United slightly too much to do in the second half of the season unfortunately I think it's slightly too much to do having said that in the longer term it's really good for United and Mourinho and the squad in general because he's basically held up a mirror to Rooney somehow and said, look, these guys are getting it done. You look at Rashford, you look at Martial, you look at Pogba, you look at the players ahead of you, Mkhitaryan, Mata, Mata, who's been terrific as well, full respect to him. They deserve their place ahead of you. They really do. And we've tried the Rooney's, that kind of thing, didn't work. We tried you as a 10, and didn't work. Everyone's doing better at you as a starter but you can have an impact off the bench. And so Rooney off the bench, apart from the Liverpool game, where I think actually it was slightly unfair in him. He wasn't, it wasn't as poor as people say he was against Liverpool. He did add that energy when he first came on. Um, I think, again, as an impact player, Rooney has a role to play. What, what, how long do you see that role lasting? I'm not sure. I mean, look, he is, 
in a way, Rooney's almost making himself obsolete by breaking these goal-scoring records. <laughs> this is the thing. Because, you know, Rooney, Rooney breaks the records. Then where does he go from there? Like, he's won everything at United. He's done it all. What, five league titles, Champions League, two league cups, FA Cup, you know, whatever it is. Um, he's done it. Uh, and then he's the top scorer at United. And that means, well, you're a club legend, but there's no actual direct incentive to put you in the team beyond keeping you happy, which is obviously, you know, want to keep you happy and, you know, you're a club legend, you know, you're a club legend with reservations. Um, but, well, where does it go from there? And I think it's going to be interesting. I mean, how much longer does really have a United? I'm speculating, but I'd be surprised if he does the full 2019. I'd be surprised if he goes all the way to the end of his contract, I have to say. I like the idea that the reason he's been so terrible uh, over the last few months uh, is that he's trying to eke out the goal-scoring record so it doesn't come <laughs> too quickly. Wait, wait, <laughs> these are not... <laughs> Let me say for the record, categorically, <laughs> that is a very interesting construction of my words. <laughs> there's, no, no sound, there's no sound bites moving this time. I'm watching, I'm playing with a straight bat this week. <laughs> One of my favourite of your poems was uh, the poem you wrote about Zlatan. The, it's the photo of him stretching. Um, I wonder if you Oh, could, yes, of course. Could, yeah, yes, yes, of course. Could you tell us a little bit about that project? Yes. Um, so there's a brilliant uh, football um, photographer, well, he's a sports photographer, Ryu Verkel. And Ryu is one of the best in the world, basically. Works regularly with Nike and with Adidas. And I got to know back for our all-conquering, well, not all-conquering, but our, our sort of... Um, Elite level uh, amateur football team, uh, SFC Inter, who I play with in Berlin. He's the fullback. And he said, look, I would love to do a project where you respond to a poem that I've taken, a, po- a photo that I've taken. So he would send me, let's say, three photos from a Dortmund match that he'd taken the night before. I would select one of them and then write a poem that morning and send it to him. You know, sort of almost like a sort of first take. No redraft, just my instant reaction to it. And they normally took about... I suppose 30 minutes to write and I'd write them in the morning with a mug of black coffee at 6.30 a.m. So they'd just be like, you know, fresh off the press. Yeah, the project's up on Medium. Uh, We really love doing it. And we've done about, I think, 30 of them now. And we're looking to do some kind of coffee table book at some point because they've been really popular in the kind of football niche that we both occupy. Um, I think think it was the the thing about, about that Zlatan poem is, if I remember rightly, you talked about worlds left to conquer. And I think the sense of, of that was almost that, that he's kind of done what he needs to do to prove himself. I think it's absolutely incredible that there's this kind of um, epilogue on his career in the Premier League where, you know, there's been these kind of little little Englanders saying for years and years, oh, you couldn't do it in the Premier League, of sort of thing. Um, not necessarily in a Cockney accent, in a variety of English accents. Um, well, it's exactly that. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, carry on. I'm being rude. Carry on, carry on, please. No, not at all. No, jump in. Well, it is frustrating. I mean, this, the Little Englander thing, it's, it's a pretty pervasive attitude at the moment. But this thought that you can't do anything until you've done it in front of us. You know, you're not that good until you've made it here. There are people, I'm sure, who still doubt Iniesta, for example. Oh, my goodness, can he do it on a cold... Well, actually, he can do it on a cold wet night in Stoke. Um, you know, or, or play... You know, someone like, you know, Mkhitaryan's a classic example. Oh, can he do it in the Premier League? Well, the dude, like, made his name in the Ukraine, have he left Armenia... 
Uh, they went to Dortmund. Which, you know, it's not for like shrinking violence. That they're neither club is it for shrinking violence. Um, it's about, like doubting Brazilian players that come to Europe. Uh, you know, you had look. I mean, look at look at Ronaldo. There's a great game when Ronaldo plays up at Spartak Moscow in the snow and dribbles over ice and snow and sleet and, and mud. And you're thinking, well, how much tougher do foreigners have to prove themselves? And Zlatan is, Zlatan's case is a microcosm of that. You know, a lot of players did not respect Zlatan. A lot of fans did not respect him until he scored four goals against um, England. He literally had to shove the most spectacular attacking performance in international football the last couple of years down England's throats for them to acknowledge him. Um, and I think it's funny because if you talk to defenders in the Premier League, they will have a very different story. They never underestimated him. Um, and it's all, I think it's always the fans, and the, actually not even the fans, it's always the media who are the last to come around, unfortunately. Um, and we're seeing that now with you know Paul Pogba, who is really going through it at the moment. Um, I'm sure we'll get onto that in a moment. Yeah, let's get onto that. Um, I, I mean, I just wrote an article for you, Max, that's just come out today as we record this. We're recording this on the Wednesday uh, in between the, the two United games. And... Um, I mean, it's just a Wednesday. It's not the Wednesday in between two United games. That's all Wednesdays. But anyway, um, the, uh, I just wrote an article for you, Max, it basically saying he had one bad game after a run of, it's not a particularly hot take, but after a run where he was either the best player or the second best player in six of nine wins in the run before that. He's, he's obviously come into his own. Mm. Um, but what do you put that Liverpool performance down to? Was it the hashtag? Was it the hair? Here's the thing with Pogba. Um, he is a far more shy and sensitive person than maybe even his sponsors understand. I'm not sure they quite understood what they were getting because you look at Pogba from the outside and you're like, oh, he's like, he's tall and he's like striking and he's very well dressed and he's, you know, he's flamboyant, he's very stylish. But actually, the guy is like a fairly, he's a fairly simple guy with fairly simple tastes. Like he's a smart guy, but he's a pretty like chilled out, down to earth dude. So you'll hear those stories about him playing around in the schoolyard um, with his with his friends, um, booking out the Trafford Centre. You know all that. You hear those stories, right? And that's who Pogba really is. And so that at some point, I think there comes a point where it's like, okay, that's all a bit much. Let me just get back to playing football. And I think that the, the Liverpool game was a mm-hmm. classic example of it was all too much. Like it was too much. Like the front came down, and you saw it because there was this anxiety. There was a pass he was trying to play out to Martial on the left flank. Martial's playing out of his mind, obviously. It was a simple five-yard pass, and he overhit it. Um, and I was like, "Oh, that's that's interesting." Um, sloppy passes and defeat wasn't beating men as well. Was making difficult choices, uh, and you know. If he'd scored that goal, I mean, the left foot uh, that he got wide, I mean, he made a brilliant run for it, actually, got into position for it. And he hit it wide, and you just thought, you need something to settle your nerves. And he, he didn't get it in that match. I think if he'd scored, it would have changed everything because he would have channeled the crowd, he would have channeled the mood and everything. But Pogba's not that guy. Pogba's not a, he's not a Neymar. Neymar is cold blooded on that stuff. Neymar, you can throw all the marketing at him, he won't crack. But Pogba, I think, got to be a little bit more careful. I mean, the tweet the night before about, you know, let's kick some ass. I was thinking, against Liverpool? I remember seeing that and going, oh, I'm not sure about that. Like, you, your tweet, you're going to kick some ass against Liverpool, like one of the the most like aggressive teams of pressing in the Premier League, one of the best teams in the Premier League. On their day, arguably, the best can blow anybody out of the water. And I thought, that's not, that's not a good look. Whoever sanctioned that tweet is they need a bit of a dressing down because that stuff just doesn't help, unfortunately. I really thought, um, I really think, I'm really pleased to hear you say that because 
I think this is something that isn't getting talked about enough. Did you see the interview? It was shared widely. Uh, Zlatan was being interviewed by Thierry Henry. It's a great classic Hilero banter Zlatan interview, you know. And then Pogba is invited by Zlatan into the shot. You know, obviously he knows Henri and it's it's all very chummy. But actually, if you have any understanding of kind of body language and reading, reading people's eye contacts and stuff like that, you can see that Pogba is actually slightly nervous. And there's actually... Yes, the deference. Yeah, the deference is hilarious. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that that's, that's something that people wouldn't even necessarily take from that because he's very confident and, the, you know, they're joking about putting Pog before various different words and all this kind of stuff. But there's... But you're you're absolutely right. There's a there's a kind of shyness that isn't really addressed because he is so larger than life, you know, in his presentation. Um, and yeah, I think, I think Zlatan, I think Zlatan if you, if you cut Zlatan, he bleeds ego. <laughs> I think that's just standard, right? Mm-hmm. But what was funny with the Zlatan header, and I think I said this to you before, like he bailed him out, like it's mm. like a big brother bailing him out. Yeah. Like if that draw got everyone out of jail, yes, Pogba had a shocker. He'd admit that. But one or draw against Liverpool in the context of a season, you know what? It's an okay, it's a good result. A one-all draw, it's a good result. Pick up points elsewhere. Lip or drop points, it's not a problem. And I just thought that was actually such a wonderful microcosm again of, of that interview that you see when you kind of see Pogba come into shot. He's got so much respect for Zlatan already. He obviously, they kill each other around. And that fun, the hilarious moment where Zlatan goes, you're doing all this fancy-like stuff on these, these mixed martial arts. Just do, use one punch. What's all this fancy flamboyant stuff? And it's, Zlatan's like... <laughs> just put it in there, you know. Don't mess about. And you, you can you can imagine the teasing. I mean, the, the great moment when um, you know, it was at Pogba's first game when Zlatan was like, "You should have passed." Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It was good. And it, it, when you see those moments, you're like, "That's why Mourinho signed him." That is why, because actually, that leadership won't come from Rooney because Rooney, unfortunately, is not performing at Zlatan level anymore. So it's going to need an on-pitch leader. And, you know, Zlatan gets compared to Cantona, and it's actually unfair because Cantona changed the course of United's modern presence in, in football, right? That's an unfair expectation. But what Zlatan has helped to do is return that swagger. I think he has been actually primarily responsible. I think I would go as far as to say that he's been primarily responsible for returning United's swagger, which is... An incredible achievement, I have to say. And then just to completely shift tack, I mean, still United stuff, but just in terms of the area of the pitch, um, the one of it's not a massive surprise that Zlatan's come in and provided this uplift. I think a lot of us hoped that, that would be the case. Mm. The thing that's been most surprising, and, and we have to again sort of say Liverpool game aside, has been the performance of Jones and Rojo as a centre-back pairing, which I did not see that coming at all. I cannot say we have to give Mourinho full credit for that because my goodness, Rojo didn't look like much of anything. He looked like he looked like a left centre back in a in a three. He didn't like a wing back. He didn't like he didn't like anything. There was um, when Ro- when Rojo arrived at United, the most impressive thing about him I thought was his the speed of his pass into feet and his ambition of passing. Rojo would cut in the field very well, but he would also really rip the ball into the feet of the attacking midfielder and the sentiments that was such an impressive skill because that's a hard thing to do as a passer and I thought that's a redeeming quality we can work with that what Mourinho has done is he's made Rojo a low-risk player like when you saw him against Liverpool you're like he's going to sort that out 
there was no when I when I saw you know Jones made mistakes against Liverpool, but when Rojo was involved, I was like, I'm not worried about him. Mm. The ball's in his area; it's in his zone. I don't have any doubt that he will not only clear it, but clear it to an area where it won't be a secondary danger. That's a remarkable achievement, and that's been consistent through the streak of United's undefeated run. Yeah, absolutely, and 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 I think it looks it looks really coaching heavy, doesn't it? Because this is not something we've seen from them before. It does. Something's yes, something's happened. Like the way Rojo is playing the ball with confidence, he's playing with no nonsense. There was a great moment late in the game when he just like absolutely hacked a clearance, like proper like Sunday League centre, you know, central defender. No nonsense. And I thought, yes, you know when to play it long. You know when to play it short. You know when to play it out sensibly. Play it down the line. You're overlapping fairly well when you get forward, you know, out of the kind of centre mid- of the defensive box. I was really impressed by that. Um, and, and Jones, we knew what Jones's qualities were. With Jones, it was more a case of returning to fitness. Because when his conditioning is back, then he's fine. But Rojo has really been the standout in that sense in terms of coaching. Um, brilliant. So uh, the rest of the season, where do you see where do you see United? What do you see United doing in the rest of the season? What's your reading of the tea leaves as they currently stand? Uh, well, here's the thing: United have a strong squad. Uh, having said that, the players, of the teams above United are performing well. This is the, I mean, it's it's amazing you can go on a run like United have and still be still you know sort of fifth sixth. I think putting my blinkers and my bias aside, it's going to be tough to break into the the top four, and I think United might end up in fifth again, might sort of fifth sixth again, fifth maybe I think at a push, just because those teams just seem to have a little too much in the tank and United have left themselves slightly too much to do, unfortunately, in my view. And that, yeah. that is, that, that's taking my blinkers off. You know, I'd love to have my blinkers and be like, you know, oh, top yeah, three, top three. Yeah, because that's you know, the thing, isn't it? Like, we, none of us know and all of these things are eminently possible. Mm. Any position between second and sixth would not be a surprise at this point. I think anything outside of second and sixth would be. Yes, and actually, it would be, I mean, if you look how good the teams are, I mean, let's not kid ourselves as well. This is a really good top six. It has been a terrific um, sort of race so far, I think. There's one exception there, in a way, isn't there? And it's the most surprising exception. They won 10 games in a row when he got there, but you mentioned not being able to do it on a wet Tuesday afternoon. The king of of, uh, can he do it on a wet Tuesday afternoon, Tuesday night at Stoke, (laughs) is, of course, Pep Guardiola. Um, I'd be really interested, as someone that's obviously watched a lot of Barcelona over the years when he was there... um, I don't know how much buying you watched. Well, you were in Germany, so I guess you watched quite a lot. Um, but the, what have you made of his uh, early struggles? I am absolutely bewildered. I look at the players he has, and I think to myself, why didn't you do more shopping before you arrived? But really, I don't understand that. Like, these players are clearly not the specification that you wanted, the fullbacks in particular. They're not good enough. Why are they there? Why didn't you buy other ones? Because you're Guardiola. You could have brought better players and you have got all the money bravo you know i think there's a lot of talk about how bravo has only saved a certain percentage of his shots actually a lot of those have been very good efforts on goal um if you look at a lot of the goals that have been conceded by city bravo has been exposed for a lot of them you know there's a lot of clear runs on goal and that's john stone so you know two you could argue that the sign of john stones has been unsuccessful so far unfortunately it's been unsuccessful um and he should have bought better. So, and also, I have to say as well, his 
His demeanour, Guardiola's demeanour in the press conferences is also very concerning. You know, he's being asked fairly straightforward questions about, do you feel Aguero is contributing enough? Uh, you know, by one of our mutual friends asked him, asked him that. And, you know, the guy's kind of blowing his top at people, which is, Guardiola's always had that irascible attitude. But the difference is, you know, he was at Barcelona before, and Barcelona, he had trouble there, but he was working with players where he could see improvement. You know, Guardiola... The difference was when Barcelona was struggling, he was looking at the training ground going, yes, but this is going to click and we're going to just steamroll everyone. Bayern, he gets in at Bayern, he's got players who execute his strategy. He is now looking at the training ground at Man City and Guardiola is a smart guy. He's looking at his players, he's looking at Liverpool's players, United's players, Spurs, Arsenal, and he's thinking, these players, some of them aren't as good as my position. And Chelsea too, of course, we can't forget. And I think that's why he's rattled because he doesn't see an improvement coming in the short term, he knows he's going to need summer to buy new players and then kind of, I think, prove himself to the British public at the moment. They're very sceptical. And even though you sort of suggested that you, I mean, understandably, with with all blinkers and bias set to one side, United don't make the top four. If they do make the top four, we, we who would you say are the two most likely teams that they'll leapfrog? I mean, I guess we have to have City in there. So who's the other one? I think it would be City. And I think it would be... Um, I, uh, I think it might be, you know what, I think it might be um, Arsenal. I say that because because um, Liverpool have this attack, which is ferocious, and they will, I think, just hold out long enough, you know, for Mane to get back to the FN Cup of Nations and they'll be okay. I think Spurs, even though the one thing about Spurs, the, the question mark over Spurs was the, um, the size of the squad, mm-hmm. right? Um, but actually they're managing that very well. Now they're out of Europe as well. So you've got Chelsea, who are not in Europe. You've got Liverpool, not in Europe. And you've got Spurs. That's what they've got in common. And I think that the Champions League is going to really take a toll on Arsenal. And <laughs> I think City. it's going to take a very um, long toll on Arsenal, though. <laughs> well, psychologically. I think psychologically. Oh, poor Arsenal. Look, listen, if any Arsenal listeners... Actually, no, you think I hate you guys anyway. No, I really like Arsenal. But I'm just saying, um, if there are two teams that will drop out, if you don't have to get up there, I think it was more likely to be um, Arsenal and City than any other. Uh, is there anything you'd like to plug before before we go? Yes, there is actually. Um, there is an absolutely wonderful um, uh, take on football, one of the best takes on United you'll hear. It's called the Rankcast, so I'd advise you all to um, check that out. <laughs> Whenever possible. Yeah, no, no, oh, that's it's, nice. It's, that's it's, good. It's, it's quite... That's like a... In- an inception plug. It's quite the thing, yeah. Rant, rantception. I'm really <laughs> hoping. <laughs> no, really hoping they'll invite me on. Um, <laughs> actually, I suppose what's going on right now? Um, do you know what? Actually, I'm. I would just advise everyone to just keep, keep listening to you guys and and just yeah, like support Pogba, support Pogba, um, and yes. support our amazing. Yeah, yeah. And you know, let's just keep let's keep this united. Let's keep it 100. Let's keep it united. And you can find me on Twitter if you want to. I, you know, if you probably know who I am by now. If you don't, then <laughs> save yourself the trouble. But no, um, yeah, I would, I want to plug Marcus Rashford because I think that Marcus Rashford is the closest thing that we have in English football to Thomas Muller. There, I said it. Um, I think he's the closest thing we have to Muller. I think his game intelligence is mind blowing. I think his skill set's terrific. So yeah, those are my plugs: the Rankcast and um, Pogba and, and Marcus, uh, Rashford. Marcus Rashford. Wow, yeah, we're yeah. in esteemed company there. That's awesome. <laughs> there we go. Only the best. Only the best for the rank, the Rantis. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Musa. Take care. 
My pleasure, mate. My pleasure. Massive thanks to Musa for taking time out to join us on the show. And of course, the guest interviews on the show are brought to you by the good people who choose to back the podcast at patreon.com slash rankcast, where you can sign up for extra content every week and also trinkets like mugs and t-shirts and art prints and stuff like that. So check that out at patreon.com slash rankcast. Very good. So, shall we take some questions? We have got so many listener questions today. I, I don't know what it was about the listeners today, but they were super up for it. So, we're going to get through as many of them uh, and as many of them as we can because you know we can. We're playing Hull on. Th- should we just do the whole preview? We're playing Hull on Thursday night. We're two nil up. If we don't win, everyone associated with the club should be sacked. Right? Is that will that do for a preview? Yeah. Um, all right. At Follow My Trawler says, did we ever find out what Andy Cole and Teddy Sheringham's beef was? Pretty sure it all goes back to a substitution where one came on for the other and didn't shake the other's hand or something along those lines. It does. Yeah, yeah, it, it is that. Yeah, and them spoken for years. That is properly intense pettiness, isn't it? There, there was a story I was reading the other day about a Japanese couple and the uh, husband hadn't spoken to his wife. They're still living together still married hadn't spoken to his wife for 30 years and neither of them could remember what the beef was about (laughs) (laughs) that does not sound like a healthy relationship (laughs) no neither was uh andy cole or teddy sheringham in the dressing room on the pitch worked fine it's amazing isn't it it's a very strange thing uh at mufc jeff says a question for politics cast which job in the u.s administration would you like to do um, Secretary well, of State for Manchester United winning. <laughs> I think I would turn down any job in the current US administration, but in a more favourable administration, I don't know. To be fair, Paul, are you a billionaire? <laughs> I'm neither a billionaire nor a white nationalist. It seems remarkably unlikely that I'm going to get offered a job. Does rather, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Uh, I would do something in the arts, probably. Um, is there anything better, asks at John Firth 19 This is the kind of questions we get uh then chicken kiev potato waffle and peas for dinner brackets peas for health yes uh anything anything vegetarian is better than that and that's my my take though so, um we we uh we made homemade potato waffles the other day since we we got a waffle maker for christmas nice F- fine gadget they? fine gadget is too and they were pretty good have you been making like regular waffles? well what you mean sort of you know with a batter mix yeah 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 nice what, do you do it? I know you well enough to know that you've been looking into waffle recipes and sourcing <laughs> the best organic flours and stuff. Is that is that about right? Something like that. Yeah. Um, at Shivam Chopra says, at what point do we stop praising Mourinho's brilliant substitutions and start blaming him for getting his starting eleven wrong? I think pretty definitively all the way through the recent good run, maybe a little bit not so much against Liverpool or Stoke, he's got both right. Yeah, look, sometimes you have to change the nature of the game. It doesn't mean you've got the starting eleven wrong, does it? No, no. It just means that, you know, for whatever reason, teams on top, events have gone against you, you need to change the pattern, you change it. That's right, it's good. A- absolutely. Uh, at Vieri Tweets says, uh, did you know Wayne Rooney was the kind of guy that pl- would play for 50 quid a week? <laughs> Hashtag Shearer. Um, yeah, uh, Alan Shearer, who earns like a million pounds a year with the BBC. My favourite thing about that, though, was um, someone tweeted at him going, he tried to move away to get 300 grand a week at United. And Alan Shearer goes, I didn't say he'd play for Man United for 50 quid a week. I thought that was good. I thought that was good. Good banters. 
Uh, next season, asks at Sean Corras, do you think Mourinho will attempt to sign a tall, strong, Zlatan-esque striker? Uh, Cavani, any others come to mind? No, I think he's going to sign a short, live French second striker. Yes, yes, yes. Lacazette. I wouldn't call him a second striker, though. <laughs> I can't hear um, Lacazette's name without thinking of a line from Hamilton, which everyone who is as obsessed as I am with Hamilton uh, will no doubt know. I got tickets, Ed. I'm so excited. So so I heard. Yeah, I, I uh, didn't because I didn't apply for any. <laughs> Maybe a I should. hip-hop musical. Like, you don't like either of those things. I've been to see a few musicals. What was your favourite one? Mm, they're all kind of kiddie ones, though. So. <laughs> Matilda was good. Excellent. Uh, oh, by the way, if you like the theatre, you should definitely listen to um, Simon's podcast. Simon Stevens, who I mentioned earlier, has a, a podcast called the Royal Court Playwrights Podcast. And seriously, if you have any interest in theatre at all and are not listening to that, you're massively missing out. So check that out. Uh, reminds me, actually, my uh, my little one wants to go, so I'm going to take her to um, Curious Incident, uh, oh, wow, which is nice. one of his plays. Yeah, it is. It is. Simon, hook a brother up. Uh, I wasn't. (laughs) Come now. I can buy tickets. No, no, no. Of course. Um, uh, John, further from his Chicken Kiev question, ask another excellent question. Uh, What's your dream goal look like? Is it from the halfway line? Does it have to be against Liverpool in the 1980s? Three nutmegs, then the top corner? You know what? I I would, I mean, they're all great. They're all great. But the, the goal that always sticks in my mind is, you know, to do with my age and youth at the time. Are you going to say Negretto? I was going to Negretto. Yes! Negretto scissor kick in the. And it was just it was the, like the one two and then the scissor kick. Beautiful. Yeah, I've got two like template perfect goals that I'd like to score, and one of them is Maradona against England in 1986, and the other one is Zlatan against England. Um, that just the odd audacity of it um was uh, was amazing and the, the fact that they're both against england is a coincidence not part of any beef yeah yeah and cut to robbie savage in the studio studio going really still no good <laughs> well yeah quite um would you have started carrick over fellaini on saturday especially given our next few fixtures or was marwan fellaini the right call asks at j denton underscore i mean yeah is, yeah, is I mean, Marouane yes. Fellaini ever the right call? No, he's not. And you know, honestly, the thing is, Stoke just don't even play that kind of brand of football anymore. They had Crouchy I mean, on the pitch, though, didn't they? And it does yeah. change them. Yeah, but Fellaini can't defend. He yeah. can't defend. Yeah. You know, and and show off set pieces and and whatever. But uh, I think there's just too much downside having him in in midfield. It just slows the game down so much. So yes, I would always start Carrick. And never yeah. mind Carrick. If he was like not quite up to it or whatever i would i still maintain that i would start schweinsteiger over fellaini um but yeah um how much wood would a wood chuck chuck if a wood chuck could chuck wood a question we often get asked at solo troll or solo underscore troll also do you rate damian <laughs> i really like the framing of this question um i, I not really n- no ed doesn't and i sort of think he's a good defender but not very good going forward um after Carrick, Pogba and Rooney, is De Gea our best mid to long range passer? Asks at Jamie Das. <laughs> maybe, maybe. I mean, we, we talked about this last week, didn't we? Yeah, you know, he's very comfortable on the ball. At, at Lentorp says, how do you feel about Matter's blog being called one hour behind? Surely that foreigner will have to adapt to GMT post-Brexit. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, the world's falling apart. Anyway. Maybe he's talking about GMT, you know, as opposed to British sometimes. Yeah, maybe so. Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, he's not. Who'd be better at Rocket League, asks Kale, the, the same person, Sir Bobby or good old Wayne. I think if you put a PlayStation 4 controller in Bobby Charlton's hand, he would look at you funny. <laughs> Um, at King Keir says, can I have a birthday shout out? Because it's you, Keir, you can. That's not going to be a running theme. Keir's special. Um, at Ducknan says, Paul, did you get a soundbar in the end? If yes, what is it like? Also, who's the best Final Fantasy 15 boy? Uh, Prompto. And I did. It's a cheap one, but it has um, drastically improved the quality of my watching film experience and playing video games. Very good. Have you got a soundbar, Ed? You got a fun? I, I do have a giant Harman Kardon thing. <laughs> Yeah, just want to say, mine's a lot more LG, a lot less Harman Kardon. Yeah, it's very nice. Um, excellent. Uh, do you use it to listen to music as well? I do occasionally, yes. And it sounds great for music. Um, not as good as my audio engine uh, speakers. They, they sound even better. Nice. Uh, someone somewhere in these questions, I don't know if we're going to get that far, but someone asked if he could have your job because you're always somewhere sunny. And I didn't reply to him, but I was kind of thinking Ed would happily give up his job. <laughs> uh, anyway. Uh, well, you know, I, I need to be gainfully employed. Course, yeah. I'm not I'm not a billionaire yet <laughs> um, or ever likely to be. So It's only a matter of time, Ed. Um, at Ed P. Gleason says, if Mourinho could bring in any one of his former players in their prime from any of his old clubs to this United team, who would he bring in and why? I think maybe Drogba to be the Zlatan next season. Maybe. maybe He's ancient. Maybe. Oh, do you mean no, in, like in their current prime, or from... In their prime. In their prime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In their prime. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, Drogba only had about two good seasons. Come on. Maybe. I won't have that. The man's a hero. A diving, cheating hero. Um, hmm. uh, Offside, goal-scoring hero. You could play Frank Lampard in a three with Pogba and Herrera. You could. Just about. Yeah. yeah. Um, those are his best players, aren't they? And Ronaldo Iron at his Robin? peak. Iron Robin, maybe? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ronaldo. Uh, oh, Essien. Ronaldo. Michael Essien. Michael. Oh, Ronaldo! <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah, I forgot. Okay, Modric, Ronaldo. Yeah, that's fine. Um, when Pogba says he has unfinished business at United, asks at Gary underscore one one oh five. Does that mean he'll want to leave once he wins the Premier League or Champions League? No, he's, he's talking. He's, he's talking about the reserves. Did he? Did he ever win the uh, under twenty one league title with the reserves? <laughs> they won the FA Youth Cup though. Which that's is, true. Which is the best, isn't it? Um. Yeah, I, I, uh, I'm not sure. Um, I can't. I would be surprised if he spends. Very surprised if he spends the rest of his career at United. It's not the Mina Raiola client way, is it? It's not. But he signed. He came as he said the other week. He, he came to United because he wanted to be here, yeah. and he signed a long term contract. And United had the means. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, we've had a question about whether we know the secret story that lost Mourinho the United job in 2013. I don't think I know that. Um, and uh, at Joey M underscore UX says, is the agenda still on against Rooney? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think the answer to the first one of those is, is probably Moscow hotel rooms. <laughs> whoa, whoa, okay. Cameras. Um, who in recent seasons did you most want to I'm sign kidding. for United but are now very glad they didn't, asks at Big Shimmery Wall. Uh, oh, I know. It's definitely Otamendi for me. <laughs> yeah. 
really wanted him. Oh dear! No, he he's not really good. He season. wasn't ever that good a player. Uh, I, I was a big fan of Meza Özil when he was uh, at Wolfsburg. Are you really glad? Really glad he didn't sign for United? No, no. Although he is definitely an in and out player, isn't he? Uh, he certainly is. At Torso of the Week says, do we just have to accept now that we've got a squad of brilliant players who can't finish, Ibrahimovic excluded? Is it mental or technical? Yeah, well, look, we've got more than half a season. Ibrahimovic has got a decent amount of goals this season. He's also taken more shots than any other player uh, in the uh, in the world, <laughs> in the world uh, <laughs> history of football, the universe and the cosmos, yeah. Um, so his, his uh, conversion rate is pretty poor. Um, I, I don't think that's... A totally, totally fair statistic. You know, he's not a bad finisher. He just takes a lot of shots. Um, but yeah, the others, like, not enough goals. Not enough goals coming from Matter this season. Not enough from McTarian. Granted, he's not played the whole season. Not enough from midfield, definitely. I mean, I know Pogba's never been a big goal scorer. If we get double figures from him this season, it'll be on par. And he's kind of on track to do that. Uh, but true, yeah, it needs more goals from elsewhere. But I don't think we've got a squad full of bad finishers. Martial, Rashford, Mkhitaryan, Mata, Pogba even. Uh, you know, th- these are all players with, who are more than capable of finishing. Mata might be one of our best finishers, in fact, uh, in general. So, you know, uh, it, finishing is a complicated subject, isn't it? Um, I don't think it's a technical problem. I'd be shocked if it if it was. Is that about right? Do you think? Yes, but United's um, chance conversion rate is is sort of mid ranked. Yeah, yeah, sure. But I don't think we can accept that we've got a squad of brilliant players who can't finish. That's that's all I'm saying. True. Uh, at Yuri underscore B says this is a great question. If you had to make a modern equivalent of the Trinity statue at Old Trafford, who do you have in it? Giggs, Cantona, Rooney. Um, I think the thing about the, the Trinity statue is it has to be three players who excel together, I think, if you're if you're going to do that. And I think it, you would have to make it like, I don't know, Giggs, Skulls and Beckham or yeah. Giggs and Skulls and Neville maybe. Um, but I think given that George Best kind of shone brightly and briefly at United, I think Giggs, Skulls and Beckham makes sense. I, I think that's right. I mean, you know, why does I can have his statue if he wants? Yeah. I think then you make a load of individual statues for like Roy Keane and um, maybe you, you could maybe well, outside which brothel do you think we should put it? The, not the Roy Keane one, surely. That's not. We won't say anything bad about you, Roy. Just want to be absolutely clear about that. Um, I mean, you couldn't really object if they made a statue of Wayne Rooney outside Man United, really, could you? No, I think he should leave the club first. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, someone I can't remember who, sorry, but someone on Twitter saying making a very good point that uh, if for no other reason than if they made a statue now, it'd just be loads of people banging on about how he's got a terrible first touch. But if you just wait five years, everyone will be happy. Which I thought was sound. Um, Tony Valencia nailed on to win our Player of the Year this season. Asks at Connor Gates one lad even crossed with his left peg three times versus Stoke. I noticed that it was really noticeable. Um, and uh, and uh, an anonymous question asker also asking um, whether Mourinho's right when he says Valencia's the best right-back in the world. Uh, I'm not sure if he is right about that one, but he's made huge progress this season, hasn't he? I mean, you know, a, a, a string of great performances and, and very little defensive liability. So, which is great progress from what he was, which was neither of those things. So uh, I don't think he's United's best player. That said, it, it does come up with an interesting question. Who is? We talked about this a few weeks ago, so maybe that's a rhetorical question, but it's not clear, is it? There's no standout this season. Uh, I guess it's Latan, right, for the goals. I mean, they're so important and there's so many. Even if we do anything this season, like he's going to have been instrumental in it. 
But, you know, I think Herrera's in with a reasonable shout. I think Pogba's in with a reasonable shout. We'll see We'll see what happens from here on out. But I'd say Herrera, Pogba, Zlatan and Valencia. Those, are, those would be my top four, not necessarily in that order. Yeah, I thought Waimata would add to that group for his performances pre-Christmas. Yes, and we'll see. Not in the team at the moment. So we'll see, and we've got a few months left. Yeah, we certainly have. At Jeff Peckar 17 this is a great question. How highly does that Rooney free kick rank for you among his 250 goals? Top five for me, says Jeff. Top five is big. Mm, no. Yep. So let's let's talk about the overhead. Yes. That outrageous volley against Newcastle. Yep. I mean, he's, he's absolutely burst the net because he was so angry with the ref. Uh, the chip against, uh, was it Portsmouth? Portsmouth? Yeah, it was. Uh, the only time he's ever scored with a decent <laughs> chip. Every other one has floated over the crossbar. The goal he's uh, been trying. the 472nd attempt, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, let's think of the, some brilliant others. Arsenal, counter-attack. Yeah, so many. Don't know, but times team about goal. a million. Yeah. Um, the um, Borough volley uh, that's up there with the Newcastle one. Um, free kick against Fenerbahce was pretty good, wasn't it? On debut. Um, yeah. Uh, so some crackers, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, it was a very good goal Yeah, uh, from a difficult angle. I think, you know, it took us a little while to get a five that we would say are definitely, definitely better than it. So, you know, it's in with a top ten chance, I would say. But, you know, you, you need one of those programmes, those uh, all the goals programmes on MUTV to watch them all back to back to really to remember them all. Uh, with rebranding being all the rage at the moment, asks at Mark L.M. Steele, would you welcome one as long as Football Club was brought back? Uh, this is just an excuse, really, so I could bring up the Juventus rebrand to hear you get mad about modern football. Ah, oh, oh, hate modern football. I, I did, you know, I thought it was kind of laughable. And then I read some puff piece in, I can't remember what, newspaper going on about how smart and intelligent Juve are for pissing all over 100 years of history. I mean, they rebranded about 10 years ago, but it was a minor rebrand and they've they've tinkered with the badge. But, you know, from 1905 till basically today, it's sort of been similar, you know, stripes and, and a few stars and whatever. This is completely different, this sort of minimalist J. Turn it on his side, it looks like a big cock. The thing about it is if it was like a cool fan T-shirt design or like an internet, a, a blog header design, you'd be like, oh, yeah, that is cool. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's not really fit for purpose, is it? Uh, but, yeah, I would love to see Football Club back on the badge, obviously. Goes without saying, doesn't it? I mean, you know, the fact that it's not there, it just tells you so much. So much. Anyway. Um, at BillyBob31310, uh, Yanazai and Memphis, do we think Fergie could have realised their potential or were, were neither never really good enough? I think he'd have had a pretty good shot. Yeah. Um, there was a good stats piece I read on Memphis this week uh, that said uh, he, in, in Holland, he over-indexed on the amount of possessions he got, use of possession, um, which mean, meant he got a lot of ball and therefore was able to score a lot of goals and um, a, a lot of assists. And, and he was never going to get anywhere near that kind of amount of possession at United, given the amount of other players, and therefore it looks all very disappointing, which is, you know, one way of putting some kind of framework around his failure at United. And I think his failure is beyond just the numbers, isn't it? Um, 
Yanazai, I mean, he's just he's got everything, hasn't he? Yeah, in terms of technical ability, ability to play multiple positions. Uh, think about his best games, and and you know, you got the song "The Boy Can Do Anything," and he really could have done. Uh, the attitude seems to have let him down. Um, and, you know, would Fergie fix that? You kind of suspect he would have. Yeah, although, you know, the thing is, it's very easy to mythologise Fergie. There were things that went wrong as well as things that went right. But generally, oh, the, for sure. would Fergie have made this work? The answer is on the balance of probability, yes. Like, that's... Um, am I a traitor, asks, at a underscore matter underscore of underscore time, if I like Maruchan noodles more than Nissin? <laughs> It's like liking, uh, liking, I don't know, um, Toyota electrical goods instead of Sharp electrical goods. Interesting that Sharp sponsor one of the stands at Stoke. Very smart branding, given that Mark Hughes is there. Good little linky there. And then the last one, at Benny Hudson, when we ship Rooney off to China, can we bring Sir Bobby back and stick him on pens to get the record? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yes, yes, good idea. I don't think Sir Bobby, bless him, would score a single one. He probably wouldn't. Uh, talk, talking of screwing with tradition, I, I, we, were, we were having a, a little chat about this on our, our uh, Rankcast WhatsApp group, very exclusive membership of that group. It's uh, me, you and Tom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you give us a million pounds a month... <laughs> you still can't be in there. Yeah. <laughs> um, about... Uh, about Tottenham's new stadium, they announced some details this week, uh, many of which would uh, follow the um, the tradition of modern football, hashtag hate modern football, uh, including £15,000 a year seats. You have to buy two, can't just buy one, but you do get access to the exclusive fromagerie. <laughs> That's cheese seller for anyone who doesn't speak, you know, That's mad. French. Why have Spurs got an exclusive uh, fromagerie? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, that discussion came about because I was uh, advocating an extremely pro-Alexis Sanchez dog banner stance. Unsurprisingly, I've come out 100% firmly in favour of that banner. It is my sincere belief that that is the best banner in football. Uh, I can I can appreciate that others have a difference of opinion on that subject. Yeah, I think it's kind of silly. It's not as silly as the chosen one, though, is no. it? <laughs> no, they've got a long, long way to go. Um, I think there might have been a translated version uh, the last Arsenal game, which means they have two Alexis Sanchez dog banners. And to be fair, the only better, only thing better than one Alexis Sanchez dog banner is two. So, you know, I'm all for that as well. Uh, so that is a, a huge number of uh, Twitter questions and we didn't even get to maybe we did about two thirds of them. So I'm sorry if we, we didn't get to yours, but we should pay at least some lip service to the two games coming up. I mean, I was kind of joking about that whole game, but honestly, it would be an absolute disaster uh, if we got anything other than, um, well, the result we need from that game, given that it just has to not yeah. be a loss by more than two goals. And it won't be. It, won't, it doesn't really matter. I mean, he'll he'll rotate a little bit, but he's not going to play a weak side um, because he wants to get in this final. You know, great chance, especially with... Liverpool losing at Southampton, although it looks like Southampton have lost Van Dijk for the return leg, which is um, which is a big loss for them. Um, I'm gonna I'm going out on a limb and saying that's not how it's pronounced. No, <laughs> Van Dijk. Uh, yeah, D- depends whether he plays well or not, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, so yeah, United are going to lose. Just just not going to happen. Uh, I think we'll be safe in that one. 
Yeah, uh, um, Marco Silva had a decent uh, decent impact since getting there, hasn't he? Uh, that big win for them. Yeah. Against Bournemouth. And I, I think he's a manager that pretty much everyone is massively rooting for because of Paul Merson and Phil Thompson. <laughs> yeah, oh my God, the Brexit of commentary pairings. Yeah, just if you haven't seen that one, I'm sure we talked about it before, didn't we? Yeah, just, if, you, if you haven't seen awful it, transcript. If you haven't, do yourself a favour and don't. Like, no good can come of knowing that this is what's in the world. Turn on to a Sean Spicer press conference instead. (laughs) For equally Look up some alternative facts. (laughs) Like League One midfield, League One managers should be given a chance because of their knowledge of the Premier League. Um, Uh, Yeah, well, you know, the the problem is uh, all these foreigners are coming in and taking jobs. So, so Paul uh, Merson, that is. Who who should get the job? Well, what about Thierry Henry? (laughs) Uh, to be fair, I think Merson is just not very bright. Thompson, there was an edge. There was an edge to that. that there was an unpleasant edge. Anyway, um, uh, uh, talking of managers that people wish well, uh, probably fair to say that everybody associated with Manchester United Football Club wishes the manager of Wigan well, given that it is Warren Joyce. Yeah, who has a, an outrageously good record with United's under-21 team. And won countless uh, Premier League under-21 trophies and whatever it was called before that. And did a great job. And and just look at the squad today of, uh, you know, Rashford and um, Lingard and others that are around the fringes of the squad. And, and you can see the, the fruits of Warren Joyce's work at United. Mm, Lingard, you can't... It's Lingard is the fruits of Rene Moulinstein's work because actually Lingard is super old. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> He's the same age as Paul Pogba, obviously. Uh, yeah, it's true, but we like to think of him as a youngster. Otherwise, we'd have to judge him very differently, wouldn't we? <laughs> yes, quite. Uh, they are just outside the relegation yeah, zone. he's taken um, over a dog of a team, so some of those under-21 teams he had were much better than this Wigan team. He's got two wins in his last three games, although uh, one of those was in the in the FA Cup, obviously, um, against Forest. That's how they got here. No, he's won, they've won all three because they beat Burton Albion and Wigan in the, in the championships uh, and Brentford in the championship two massive results for them uh burton the team just below them at the moment uh, so that would have been that would have been huge um what can you tell me about the current wigan squad ed uh you'll have to edit this large silence out tom while i look at uh <laughs> <coughs> let's uh, pull Ow. out some um oh yeah no 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 uh, so we're going to talk about andy kellett nick powell's there nick powell's there yeah, yeah, he is. Nick Powell's there. Um, Reese James and Will Grigg. Will Grigg is on fire. Uh, and Ryan Tullycliffe. Right. Well, what I can tell you is it's uh, it's like Warren Joyce's old team. Uh, we've got uh, <laughs> Reese James, Nick Powell, Ryan Tullycliffe uh, and Andy Kellett, which I'm not sure that really counts as a ex-United player. Sort of does. Kind of weird one, that one. Um, uh, and, of course, uh, Will Grigg, who I hear through sources, uh, that he's, <laughs> he's on fire, poor guy. There's, there's a health and safety issue regarding Will, Will Grigg. Our friend Reese James and Powell for Matter. This is a Lou Van Gaal tribute situation we've got going on here. Plenty of experience in the uh, Wigan squad. Uh, also Yuski Yaskalainen, and, you know, long-time Premier League goalkeeper. So some decent players, not decent enough to keep them in a decent position in the Championship, of course. No, but it'll be huge if... Um, 
if Joyce can can keep them up, and you know, we're, everyone everyone wants him to, and everyone wants him to get battered on Saturday, Sunday, even. Why are we playing Thursday, Sunday in the League Cup, FA Cup? Like, what is is this? Like, just Jose's paid him off to get them acclimatized for the return of the UEFA Cup. Yeah. Uh, I think it's called the Europa League these days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you might be right. Mr. Milk Cup. <laughs> it's always the best cup. Uh, yeah, I guess so. It's, it's really odd United playing on a Thursday, obviously for TV coverage purposes, uh, but uh, very strange. And um, what, do, what do we have after that? It's, uh, it's a break and then Hull again, I think, in the league. Yeah, absolutely. Um, not a long break. In fact, it's pretty much... Pretty much, uh, I think we play whole midweek the following week, and then uh, we play Leicester away the following weekend. So right. fixtures come in thick and fast, and most of them are against Hull. <laughs> Good job we didn't draw Hull in the FA Cup, really. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, and then go to a replay. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a weird one, isn't it? Uh, you'd, you'd expect us to to be confident of beating them every time we play them. Yeah, my for a very short period, my dad lived in Hull. Right. Uh, well, he worked there. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's total dump, and it smells bad. Capital of culture, they know what they are. Mm. Not a good chant. I'm for the Alexis Sanchez banner. I'm against the capital of culture. We know what we are. City of culture. We know what we are. All right. So enough for the previews. Uh, were they thorough enough for you? <laughs> uh, it basically boils down to Will Grigg plays for Wigan. That's that's what we did. That's what you got out of the previous. Well, session. but does he? But are you sure about that? I mean, you know, we may have some alternative <laughs> facts to present here. Yeah, the alternative facts are that he is actually on fire, and the song was not metaphorical at all. I've got an alternative fact for you: Mata plays for Wigan, and Powell plays for us. Wow. Wow. Um, well, I guess that's it. Two two heavy wins coming up, surely, even with multiple changes. Yeah, I, I don't know about a heavy win away at Hull. Um, I'm going to go with 2-0 for an aggregate 4-0 win. Um, and then, I guess, 3-0 at home against Wigan. That seems almost conservative. You know what? I, I'm going to go for a big win for United because uh, Hull are going to have to come out. You know, the only thing they're actually able to do is defend and they can't do that very well. Uh, so they're going to have to open up, and I think United will batter them as a result. Uh, so, okay, you think that Mourinho talked about a team was going to be on the? He keeps thinking the team's going to be on the end of like a six or seven goal thumping. You think it might be hard? Yeah, yeah, and I, and I think he's going to play a few of the youngest, and Martial, and uh, if Martial's fit, and Rashford will have to play, won't they? You know, they need a few minutes, and he, he's going to end up playing quite a creative team. Um, and I think we're going to win four nil. Okay, great. And what about Wigan? I want to go for 4-0 there too as well because <laughs> nice. we're going to rubbish. 8-0 <laughs> aggregate wins for United in the in the coming weeks. That'll... I'm telling you, there, there's a there's a 35% probability <laughs> I'm right. No doubt about it. Uh, one thing that is not an alternative fact is that all being well, we will be back next week with another one of these. And that if you, the good people who have backed the show on Patreon, stay tuned, uh, you'll hear us do a uh, special on Sir Bobby Charlton's career with Manchester United. So stay tuned for that. If you're a backer, everyone else, we will see you same time next week. Well, the population of backers is huge. Don't allow him to wander in unnecessary silly positions. Options here for Van Nisseroy. One of them is Wayne Rooney. Wayne Rooney scores for Manchester United. And it's not the last time that you'll hear that. 17 minutes into his European career, Wayne Rooney finds the big stage.
his liking. Ever in any doubt? I think we all expected this to happen tonight at some point, maybe not so soon. What a beautiful, crisp finish that was. Left foot looks up, has a little look where the keeper is and just thinks, yeah, I'm just going to punch this just beyond him. It's a great finish, great spot from Van Nistelrooy. That is a lovely finish. Giggs. Rooney. He's done it again! Give him the stage, and Wayne Rooney will perform. It's Rooney. It's inevitable. <laughs> Some things are just meant to be. Wayne Rooney has saved his first senior hat-trick for his Manchester United debut in the Champions League. There is Tommy's face. Never mind the back page. What a strike. So confident. I think we all felt he might do it. He just might do it. But to step up and do that, hat-trick on your debut in the Champions League is absolutely top class. Hey, will you? Giggs. Rooney! Well, 
Manchester United Nani. One of the great goals in the history of the Manchester derby at Old Trafford on the 12th of February 2011. Here's Rooney with a turn. Rooney goes for the extraordinary. Oh, and it's an unbelievable goal from Wayne Rooney. Spectacular from Wayne Rooney. There's one for the album. And there's a man who knows how to score goals like that just as he did against Wimbledon all those years ago. David Beckham on the spot to see Wayne Rooney come up with a very special... It's Rooney! Oh, my word! History! Wayne Rooney does it in style. What a moment. Sir Bobby Charlton's record is gone. And one man stands alone for Manchester United.